Well, good morning. In fact, let me start with Happy Easter. As we uh, say all the time, He is risen, and He is risen uh, indeed. I want to start uh, this morning by just reading some verses out of John chapter 20. If you haven't already done this, you can download the message notes today. Uh, you'll notice that there's a lot more verses than I will even go through, but that, that's for you to have and for you to go through because I went through each of the four Gospels and I wanted to pull out some just selective readings and look at the response uh, of the disciples. But I wanted to start this morning, John chapter 20, uh, verse 1 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to John 20. Uh, if you don't, you can follow along. We'll have all of the scriptures uh, on the screen in front of you. And it starts with this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the, our Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they laid Him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place itself. Then the other disciple came into the tomb first, went in also, he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was laying. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things to her. You know, I I wrote down uh, this that I wanted to start with this morning. You know, this isn't an Easter like we had ever thought or planned. But Easter was never meant for our lives to go back to normal. Easter was intended to make all things new. And before we pray, I think one of the scriptures that's important for all of us to read is Matthew chapter 18, 20, because it does depict what today actually looks like. We're not gathered in our churches. We're gathered in living rooms or kitchens or bedrooms uh, together. In fact, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. So let's stop and let's pray this morning. As you're gathered, in fact, maybe catch eyes uh, with those around you. As two or three are gathered in His name, Jesus is here. He came on Easter, resurrected to make all things new. So Father, we stop today. Today is a day of celebration that Jesus rose from the dead. We gather with family, maybe friends, and we remember where we are gathered, the two or the three, that you are here. You are here to answer those questions of our hearts. You are here, like we read, to be people that would believe in what you said. And so we honor you today and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've heard some call this uh, the digital Easter Sunday. You know, and for kids, uh, in fact, if you have any children that are out there, they, they want an Easter baptism. In fact, they grab a few things. They want to open up and they want to get their peeps to eat or, or other uh, candy. They're not looking for a toilet roll in their Easter basket, and they're not looking for the latest masks to have in their basket. It is. It's a different type of Easter, but it should have us reflect back on the very first Easter. You know, we were talking uh, around the dinner table last night, and, and I love to bring this particular story up at this time of year. In fact, we were remembering it was my daughter Madison. It was going to be her seventh birthday. And we were actually sitting around talking and the conversation came up. What type of birthday party or theme do you want to have? And uh, a very quick response came right out of the house. She wanted a hermit crab birthday party. And I think we all shook our heads and and asked her, "A a hermit crab birthday party? Yeah, Dad, I want a hermit crab birthday party. What's a hermit crab birthday party? That's where I get my friends to come over and you're going to take us to the mall and then everybody gets to pick out a hermit crab. So I had a couple thoughts. I said, you know, honey, um, parents 
send kids to birthday parties not planning on coming home with pets. They don't want to come home with a pet. And I don't think I've ever seen hermit crab birthday plates or hermit crab balloons or hermit crab pinatas. Hermit crabs? And boy, she was insistent on having a hermit crab birthday party. So that's what we did. She got to invite four friends and on her birthday, which her birthday is in April, on, uh, on her birthday, we all went to McDonald's, and then we all went to the mall, and each of the kids got their own little, I guess it was a hermit crab habitat, and they got to pick out their hermit crab, and I was trying to remind them that, you know, you can't pet hermit crabs, they can't sleep with you in your bed at night, you don't really pet them, the food they eat stinks, but... They were all excited about this hermit crab. And so we brought this hermit crab home. And, and Madison, we said, go ahead. What are you going to name your hermit crab? Hermie. Right? Hermie the hermit crab. So here we are. We're in April. And uh, true story, here is Good Friday. And I remember going in to feed Hermie whatever stinky food we were feeding him. And and as I noticed, he was backed up in his little habitat, and he was backed up all the way into the shell. And I, and I started to tap on him and tap on him, and he, he didn't move. In fact, I, I was trying to pull a leg or a claw or something to get him out. And then that's when I discovered Hermie died. First thing I thought was not to go alarm my daughter. I was wondering where the receipt was so that I could take back this dead hermit crab and get my money back. Well, finally I told Madison, which Madison was so upset that her pet, Hermie, the hermit crab had died, and she wanted to take it in our backyard and bury Hermie the hermit crab. And it was. It was Good Friday. And as we talked about the story last night, apparently we had cooked some hamburgers because she said she took the wax paper that comes in between your frozen burgers she took the wax and rolled him up, and I dug a hole. And I remember it was raining. It started to, to rain, much like uh, it was just the other day. And we buried him down, and we had a very quick ceremony. And, and I remember her crying because this was her pet. This was her uh, birthday surprise that she really wanted. And so we went up about our way. Well, Easter Sunday... I'm driving back from church from our Easter services when my cell phone rings and it's my daughter Madison and she is hysterical on the phone screaming. I'm thinking there's like a fire in the house or, or something and I finally got her to calm down and she says these words. Dad, Hermie rose from the dead. And, and I remember saying, what did you say? Hermie, he rose from the dead. And I thought, we'll, we'll talk about it when I get home. I had no idea uh, what she is talking about. Sure enough, I get home, come to the front door, go in the, go in the kitchen, and Hermie is back in his habitat moving around. And the only reason that I knew for sure it was him was he had the same shell. And I said, how did he come back? And she said, I went and dug him up. I wanted to dig him up just so that I could see him, and he was alive. He was alive just like Jesus was alive, and he rose again. Hermie rose again. Well, it, it wasn't the time to correct a seven-year-old's theology that um, 
I must have buried an alive hermit crab, which I felt terrible about that he came back. You could not tell her. You could not talk her out. It was Jesus rose from the dead and her hermit crab rose from the dead. And I thought, oh, this child's going to go to school this next week. And all of a sudden, these kids and parents are going to think that we have like this cult, you know, that we raise pets from the dead or something. Well, two weeks later, I went back to go feed Hermie and he was dead as a doornail this time. He had come out of his shell and he was dead, dead, dead. We made sure. Well, it opened up the conversation about Jesus being the only one that rose from the dead. Significant. Fulfilling everything required of Him being our sacrifice. Conquering death and hell. Resurrecting. You know, I said this a few weeks ago and I I wanted to come back to it. Living in these days, these days that are unusual, that none of us have lived in before, they should not shaken our faith. It should awaken our faith. In fact, the question I have down as we go through a couple scriptures today is how did those that were closest to Jesus respond after his resurrection? And I'll tell you, as we go through the Scriptures, they were shaken. Uh, Many were in complete fear. Many of them were in doubt. And almost all of them were confused. You know, if you were to go back and look at even the Good Friday when, when Jesus died, the disciples really dispersed amongst themselves. We see Judas had hung himself because he had deceived those leaders where Jesus was so he could be arrested. Peter denied Jesus three times. But in their their eyes, all hope was lost. As I said, I want to look at them. They were shaken. They were confused. They were in fear. Could that be some of the feelings that we feel today living in these days? listening to the news reports, could we be shaken? Could we be in fear? Could we be confused, confused about the future as we hear reports of this and that? Could it be, though, that we need to come back to Easter? That we need to come back to the resurrection of Jesus to have an awakening and to remember that He comes to make all Things new. Well, all four Gospels give accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. So let me pull out Matthew chapter 28 and uh, verse 17 and listen to what it says. The disciples seeing Jesus for the first time. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. Notice what it says though. But some doubted. When they saw Him, They worshipped Him, but some doubted. You know, you wonder when in a person, when they give up all hope, like these disciples possibly did, had they given up hope of this way, that even seeing Jesus, you know, if you were around somebody like them for three years, every day, 
you knew how he spoke, the tone of his voice. You knew his mannerisms. You knew his physical features. And yet, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were still doubting. They were doubting actually what they saw. Well, let's go on. Mark chapter 16 in verse 14. In fact, I don't have it written uh, in your notes there on the screen, but it's interesting to read in verse 3 where one of the disciples, in fact, it's the ladies, when they're going to the tomb, they're talking amongst themselves how they're going to move that tombstone. Interesting that for them, they had thoughts already of obstacles, things that were in the way of Jesus. Yet we come to verse 14 of Mark 16. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. Now notice what he says. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, remember, we opened with John 20. And uh, I, I love reading John 20 because the writer of John is John. He is the apostle of love, and yet the Holy Spirit allows him to write in a couple things that two of them ran, that he was the one that was loved of Jesus, and that he outran Peter. But it's almost like he was able to put, hey, I, I outran that old man. And when we read this about John, we read about Mary Magdalene in verse uh, 18 of what she ended up doing when Jesus said she went to tell the others what she saw. So here we are in Mark 16. Jesus rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. You know, I think about, maybe some of you have had this experience. Maybe it's halftime when you played sports and your coach lets into the team. He wants to let them know everything they've been doing wrong and what they need to be correcting. Uh, maybe you've been pulled into a meeting at work and your boss is correcting everybody on your team what they need to be doing. Picture that. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and He's coming at their unbelief and their hardness of heart. That in their heart, they would not believe. That they would not recall the events of these past three years. Did they really think that behind the stone was a dead God? But He rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of hearts because they did not believe the testimony that was going out there. Well, we come back to um, Luke chapter 24. In fact, as Luke writes, there's a shift now, if you're, you're going to notice, a shift that takes place, because we even read through Luke and John and Acts, that there were over or up to 500 people that saw the resurrected Jesus, eyewitnesses. But when we read Luke chapter 24, verse 32, 
Jesus just appears on the road to Emmaus to two men. They have a conversation. But I wanted to read this one verse on what they said about that encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And they said to one another, Did our heart, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You can read for yourself there in Luke 24. As Jesus just appears as these two are walking and he's been listening to this conversation and he begins to speak with him and he begins to talk about him all the way back from the law and the prophets and the things that they saw. Notice what verse 32, they don't go on about the appearance of Jesus. Remember the resurrected body of Jesus has the nail scars, holes in his hand. Still has the piercings of his side. They didn't comment on that. They didn't comment on anything. Here's what they commented on. Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked? And as he opened the scripture. What caused a heart change? When he opened the scriptures to them. They were looking at him, but what caused their hearts to believe and to change was the scriptures that became alive. In fact, um, we pick this up a little bit in verse 45, and it says this, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. Notice nothing physical. He was taking them back to the scripture, the Bible, that we have today, opening up the Scripture, having them comprehend the Scripture. You'll read in the Gospels about, you know, Jesus told the disciples on three occasions of what was going to happen, and they were not aware. Here Jesus is opening up their understanding to understand these Scriptures, these verses, and it causes their hearts to burn, to want to know more. In fact, I love that part of the story. And then they break bread and their eyes are open and Jesus disappears. You know, in John chapter 20, probably um, one of the most famous apostles that doubted because we give him that name, Doubting Thomas, Thomas would say these words because he wasn't with some of those early disciples who was hearing reports, he said, unless I stick my finger in the nail holes in his hand, and unless I take my hand and I put it in the hole in his side, unless I do that, I will not believe. Now, the, I have not heard anybody say that before. And when I read this, it's shocking that Thomas would say that. But you're understanding a little bit of, of the times that these guys had allowed themselves to be shaken. They weren't understanding the time. They weren't believing those different reports. In fact, we read this in John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus appears to him and then goes ahead and calls Thomas out on the challenge. 
here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my side. Go ahead, handle me. And Thomas doesn't want to do that. He now believes. But here's what Jesus says in John 20, 29. He says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet believed. Thomas, you believe now because you see me. But let me tell you those that are blessed. Those are blessed that hear these Scriptures and believe and have not seen me. That's why we come back that everything based on, on the Word of God is that we have faith in God, in what He said. All of these different reports of people seeing the resurrected Jesus, even where Mary, as we read earlier, thinks He's the gardener. He's appearing to the disciples to be an encouragement. He's rebuking their unbelief. But I wanted to look lastly at Peter. In fact, I wanted to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. I love reading about Peter. Peter's one of those that's going to stand up for the things he believes. He's going to speak out of turn many a times. He's the one when Jesus asks, um, who do you say that I am? The Father reveals to him that this is Jesus, the Christ. Peter, at the prayer meeting of the Garden of Gethsemane, is packing heat, right? He's got the sword, and the, the minute Jesus gets arrested, it, it's Peter that swings the sword to protect Jesus, cuts off the ear of, of one of those soldiers there that Jesus ultimately heals and puts back on. Peter's right in the mix, but Peter, we read, denies the Lord three times. Yet, as we read in the book of John at the restoration of Peter, Peter in the book of Acts preaches, stands up and preaches, preaches out of the Scriptures. 3,000 believe. He's one of those powerful apostles. Peter and John walking to the temple and they see the beggar who's been there. In fact, and they say that familiar verse when he asks for alms. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. And they take him with him everywhere. This is the same Peter. But listen to what Peter writes that becomes a word to us as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. He's, 2 Peter Chapter, I believe it's First Peter. Read it out for me, Madison. Second Peter one sixteen. Uh, chapter 1, verse 16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. You couldn't figure this all out. You couldn't write all of this down. You couldn't get all of this properly. We didn't follow fables. Here's what Peter says. We were eyewitnesses of His glory. 
But here's what you're better off having. The more sure prophetic word. You know, at the back of our church building, we have a scripture, Hebrews 13, 8. And it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can lean into these promises of His. I can stand on. I can believe them. The just will live by faith. In fact, here's what's so important in our day. We could be like these early disciples living in the time that we're living. Shaken. Doubting. Fearful. Concerned about tomorrow. Concerned about next month. Concerned about many, many things. Even hearing reports that we know may or may not be true, we don't know. But Peter says, come back to those holy scriptures. They're not fables. They're not fairy tales. It's not something written up to to entertain you. Though we were eyewitnesses of His glory, here's what you need to follow. Follow His words and believe. Again, living in these days that we're living in, don't allow them to shaken your faith. Don't allow yourself to fall into to doubt the what-ifs. Allow it to awaken your faith. Take out your Bible. Follow along in those daily readings. These are promises that are spoken by God to us That when we read these things, many of them, what they do, they build our faith. They allow us to overcome fear. That fear gets pushed down and we start believing in what God says to do. And the proof is what we're celebrating today. The resurrection of Jesus. Allow yourselves to be awakened. In fact, let's do this as we've done each week. If you're out there and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you know, when we read early on, the, it, it really shows us the first preacher that preached Jesus was Mary Magdalene. And yet many others then would believe. The important thing that we read about Thomas is, blessed are those that have not seen but believe. If you've never done that, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never confessed Him as your Savior, or maybe you've been doing the opposite, you've been running and not believing, and you're shaken, this is that opportunity today on Easter Sunday to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. In fact, wherever you are, just say these words with me. And Romans says to believe, confess it and believe it in our heart. Just say, Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that He lived and that He died, but He rose again. I accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank You for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank You for bringing me into Your family. In Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. In fact, if you just prayed that, one of the next steps, if you could connect with us, you can do so on our website, you can do so on the social media, 
so important that we just get connected. The next thing, start reading your Bible. Start in the book of John. Start reading every day. Make every day an opportunity to read your Bible. You will have the more sure prophetic voice speaking to you, awakening you in these days. And I know that the Holy Spirit will show you what to do. And lastly, um, Jesus wants us to respond by having faith in Him. Let's believe in what He's doing even in these days. Let's allow our eyes to be open to watch and see what God does. And I believe this. I believe out of these days are going to come some powerful testimonies that we'll get to listen to of what God did because we trusted and believed Him. In fact, let me do this as as, uh, we receive our tithes and offerings. I want to read this one verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and it says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And as we do each week, in fact, I want to put this prayer up uh, on the screen, and I want you to pray it along with me. Don't let it be words that you read on the screen. Allow this to be a prayer from your heart. And let's say this together. Say, As I give in today's offering, I have faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who has given us His infallible Word, the God who promises and never breaks His Word. I have faith in my God who shall supply all that is needed. I choose to put my trust in the Lord again today, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. In if you're giving uh, today or this week, you can, um, in the mail, write out, uh, send it in the mail to the Hills Church P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066, or you can give online, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org and just click on the give link you can give that way in fact as we do uh, at the end of our time each week and from our family who's all kind of helping uh, behind the scenes today I want to read our verse Psalm 121 1 and 2 and it says I look up to the hills but where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So Lord, as we close out, we never close with you because you are always in the beginning of doing a new beginning, making all things new. Our help in these days is from you. Our faith in these days is awake. We're all awake. In fact, Lord, we'd say we're all wide awake and that's where your Holy Spirit speaks to us through your word. 
We are eyewitnesses because of your words to us. Thank you, Father, for blessing all of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lastly, uh, we'll send out an email the beginning of the week and we'll do our midweek Zoom call just to check on people, pray with one another. We loved it last week that we had Mimi Aranda uh, check in from Georgia. We had somebody connect in from Texas. So it's a great opportunity. So that'll be this next week. But the Lord bless you. He is risen. Wake up. Dig into His Word. And remember, where two or three are gathered, He's there. We love you. Have a great Easter Sunday.